Today on Chinchilla Squeaks, I am joined by Rob Gibbon of Canonical, one of many Canonical people I've actually had, because um, you do a lot of different things. But Rob, what specifically are you working on at Canonical? Uh, so I'm the product manager for MLOps and for the data platform here at Canonical. So um, okay. specifically, we uh, we have a solution called Charmed Kubeflow for MLOps, um, which I'm going to talk about today. And is, I'm, I'm assuming that's in generally as an external service. You may use it yourselves, but it's a service you you sell on as a, a sort of SaaS product to people. No, in fact, it's a product. Uh, so you can install and run it yourself. Oh, it's okay, uh, okay. completely open source. Um, and we don't have restrictions on how you consume it. So if you want to run it in production or you want to run it in some yep. lower environment, you can do so. Um, we, uh, we offer um, support, 24-7 support, mm-hmm. uh, professional services to help people get started with, uh, with Charm Kubeflow. And we do offer managed services if people want that, but there's no obligation. Oh. Okay. Let's, let's unpack a few elements of this. Firstly, what is Kubeflow? Because that's not a specific canonical project, is it? Right, so Kubeflow is a, um, an MLOps platform that was originally conceived by Google, um, mm-hmm. but it's become a kind of contributor-led uh, open source pro- project um, project over, over time. Mm-hmm. So it's an um, MLOps solution that runs on, on Kubernetes, so it's extremely portable. You can run it pretty much anywhere, um, and, um, and people are doing so. Um, and so that means that you have no constraints about, like, being tied to Google Cloud, you can run it on mm-hmm. AWS, you can run it on-premise, you can run it on a couple of servers, and I might demo that a bit later. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so that's that's the, the, the history of Kubeflow. It's um, it's uh, supported by a, a bunch of other vendors as well. Yeah. But we have our distribution, Charmed Kubeflow. We should probably also unpack what MLOps means. I'm assuming machine yeah, learning operations, but what would that... What does that mean exactly? I have my own kind of assumptions, but what would I be doing with machine learning operations? Right. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a very good question. Thank you. Um, so um, in the data science space, I think they say that sort of 70 to 80 percent of the of the work is around, you know, preparing data, um, mm-hmm. running experiments and, um, you know, getting getting stuff ready to go into operations. And, and not that much time is really spent on relatively on actually building AI models. Um, mm-hmm. So Kubeflow uh, and, and other MLOps platforms help to automate all of the kind of the work around building a model. Um, so for example, if you need to do some complex ETL work, um, Kubeflow has a workflow engine called Kubeflow Pipelines that helps to automate um, your ETL. Um, mm-hmm. And then beyond that, if you want to run like experiments to find the best possible set of hyperparameters, hyperparameters are configurations for uh, uh, machine learning models. Um, so it's, it can be difficult to find optimal hyperparameters if you're doing it by trial and error. With Kubeflow, you have a, a solution to, to automate that process. So you can okay. run an experiment in parallel and it will find the best possible configuration for you. Um, so it's things like that. Um, it's also um, around deployment and operations of your models. Once you've got a model yeah, you yeah. like, yeah. putting it into a, a, predicting, a prediction or an inference server, as they're called, um, yeah. and potentially even um, correcting something called model drift, which is where your model starts to underperform oh, yeah. all the time. And, and so I guess a whole bunch of kind of DevOps-esque type functions as well. Could I also roll back if something went 
very wrong uh, with a model that went to production? Could you roll it back? Like a... So the idea is that you have things like a model registry where you where you okay. keep different versions of your model. Um, I can show you. Well, I, we we include MLflow um, as an as an extension to our Kubeflow distribution yeah. that you can integrate that then allows you to have like a uh, a model uh, registry, a model server, um, and also to capture metrics around around your, the the model. Um, so so yes. You do have that. Um, it's also possible to do quite sophisticated things with, for example, GitHub or something like that, mm, where you might yep, have yep. a bunch of workflows that integrate with your Kubeflow environment um, above and beyond what Kubeflow delivers. So yeah. Yeah, you can go pretty far with it. I know. I think I've interviewed a couple of um, explicitly commercial companies doing something slightly different, bringing this kind of yeah, this, this DevOps, GitOps, whatever you want to call it, workflow to machine learning. Um, you know, I think this everything as as code mentality is is sort of spreading far and wide across many aspects of mm. modern application development and things like databases and machine learning models were those kind of two ones that were always a bit harder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think whilst whilst there's definitely scope for that, and we we definitely support that kind of um, workflow, I think it can be quite intimidating. <laughs> Um, for data scientists. So we, we're also encouraging, you know, um, use of tools like Elira, which is like a, a visual workflow designer tool so that you can easily connect up a workflow oh. in Kubeflow pipelines um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a more intuitive kind of click opsy sort of way. So we support both approaches. Click ops. That's a new yeah. one on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Kubeflow was originally created by Google. It's kind of funny. I'm using um, a Google Pixel at the moment as a camera and I'm staring at a Google G, which is kind of confusing as we're talking about them. Um, and uh, so what made Canonical want to be involved in it? Like, where did it fit into Canonical's overall well, kind of so, business So we, we have a, a portfolio approach. We have many products. Of course, the most famous is Ubuntu. Um, mm. But we have a number of infrastructure products like um, MicroKates and Charmed Kubernetes, yep. OpenStack, Charmed OpenStack. Um, but beyond that, we, we are moving slowly towards adopting more and more applications into our portfolio. Um, and Kubeflow is like uh, a very nice application to start with. So, okay. I mean, there's, there's a lot you pack it packs in here as well. I'd like to understand what charmed means. What is charmed? Yeah. You've you've mentioned it a couple of times, and yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. something I've come across a bit with canonical projects. What does it mean exactly? Let me explain that. So um, we have a, an operations framework um, okay. called Juju, and Juju is basically oh. it's a it's the framework that we build all of our um, systems automation on um, for, our, for, for the applications that we offer. So it gives a yeah. unified and consistent experience across the whole of the canonical product stack. Um, it, you could see it as a bit like, you know, um, a platform as a service, um, mm. except that you can run it yourself in your own environment, anywhere you like, uh, or across environments. So you could have yeah. a you could have a, an environment running on AWS somewhere else on maybe on Azure or GCP um, and a, you know, an on-premise environment. So perhaps you want to do your testing and your dev work on the cloud, but you actually want to run your real workloads in production. You want to have an, a consistent experience across all of those environments. Um, Juju is our answer there. So it's a, it's a highly hyper-automated, model-driven operations uh, solution for, um, for, for, 
for running, you know, platform as a service style workloads. So things like um, Kubernetes being the obvious one. Trying to okay. Keep it is, is it comparable to things like Terraform then, or am I misunderstanding? Um, I, it's comparable. It's in the okay. same sort of zone. It, I, I say there's a bit of overlap, but it's not the same. Juju's been around for a while. I feel like when I used to experiment more with Ubuntu, I came across it more. I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been around for quite a long time indeed. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's becoming deeper and deeper and in, integrated into okay. our applications on, on our platforms. Um, yeah. So I mean, cool. so for Terraform, I think there's overlap, but it's it's not trying to yep. achieve the same that's, goal. So. That's fine. Okay, so there's there's a lot inside um, Kubeflow. There's a lot of things people will recognize if they've even briefly experimented with uh, machine learning, um, TensorFlow, MXNet, PyTorch, Spark, um, Kafka. These are all tools I've messed around with at various times. So there's a lot here. So maybe we should jump into Having 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 a look at what things look like, <laughs> however that may work, I don't know. Sometimes, of course, with um, developer tools, it's not always as easy to 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 show fully. But let's let's have a look, and we'll talk some more after that. Uh, so this is the Kubeflow dashboard. Um, it's a so Kubeflow is a browser-based solution. Okay. So you, you use it over the web uh, or over a web browser. Um, of course, you don't have to use it on the internet. You can deploy it in your own and you know yep. environment and have privacy. Um, so here you're seeing uh, like the the homepage of Qflow. Um, you mm -hmm. see a few shortcuts and things that I've done recently. Um, there's also an activity uh, tab that shows you some recent activity inside the system. Um, it's showing that some volumes were were provisioned. So. Yep. Okay. Um, the next thing that you see is the notebooks. Um, menu item. So this gives you access to uh, Jupyter Notebook, uh, mm -hmm. Jupyter Lab uh, servers um, that you can you can spin up. So if I if I was to click New Notebook, I won't do this now, but you can you can see that um, I can choose a name for it. Oh, you see my name come up, sorry. Um, and um, you know I can choose the image that I want to run. So it could be um, one of the pre-selected. Uh, TensorFlow or PyTorch yeah. configurations. You can have it with CUDA for for in, uh, NVIDIA GPUs to yep. accelerate deep learning workloads. We can choose a custom image and uh, specify that here, and it will pull it down from your image registry. Mm -hmm. um, you then have some options around how much how much CPU you want to um, assign to this Jupyter Lab server, how much how much memory, um, and if you want to assign a GPU. You can do that here, or more than one GPU even. Could this um, be a GPU somewhere else? Um, so it's, it's running on Kubernetes, right? So okay, yep. it means Sorry. that the GPU will be on one of the nodes of the Kubernetes yep. cluster. Okay. And it will find it uh, wherever it might be, and it will schedule your workload to run on that on that node. If there isn't a mm -hmm. node available, then it, you shouldn't be able to get. You see it's disabled here because it's I don't have any GPUs on my, my demo cluster. Yeah. Um, so um, the next thing is that you, you assign some storage, uh, mm -hmm. consistent volume in Kubernetes, um, so that your workload doesn't go away when you stop the, the, the Jupyter Lab server. Um, you can add extra volumes if you want. 
Um, there's various configuration options available. Um, I haven't configured any of this at the moment, but typically you want to um, enable um, the ability to use the the, C the Kubeflow pipeline CLI from here. Um, okay. Some other stuff as well, and then you know you would launch your your Jupyter Lab. I've already got some running. Well, I've got one running, so um, I can connect to it here, which will open another tab. Let me share that. Um, and here you see um, I'm running a an environment with Elira. Um, so I mentioned Elira earlier on in this chat. Um, yeah. Elira is basically a visual visual pipeline. Um, uh, development environment. Um, I'll quickly show you that. So um, what you do is you, if you want to start a new one, you click Kubeflow uh, Pipeline Editor. Otherwise, you can, there's other things you can do. You can create a Jupyter Notebook um, um, or start a terminal inside your, your Jupyter Lab server. Um, this is what a, a pipeline looks like in, in Elira. Um, quite nice. This is a COVID data analysis pipeline on um, US data. If we just quickly look at one of these notebooks. You'll see that it's oh, so it's a mapping between notebooks. Okay. Yeah. So so basically, each step of the workflow is a is a is a Jupyter notebook. You can use other mm. things, but Jupyter notebooks are quite well known to data scientists. Yeah. 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 Stuff and, yeah. I, um, I kind of love. I like. I'm a huge fan of interactive documentation. I have experimented yeah. with them a little, but. I haven't had any active use cases to experiment with them more, but I would love to. <laughs> you can also, um, so when a pipeline runs, typically you get an output as an HTML from yeah. the pipeline. This one I run earlier, ran earlier, sorry. It's the same notebook, but this is the HTML version of it with all the data rendered. Um, let's scroll down, let's see some pretty maps. Oh, wait, trust, trust HTML first. Um, you see these nice maps of of uh, sort of coronavirus uh, environment, um, hotspots of corona. Yeah. Um, so when you run the pipeline, it submits it to Kubeflow Pipeline. So if I go back to uh, the okay. dashboard, um, you'll see that um, there's a bunch of pipelines here, and one of them is is that US data pipeline. Mm -hmm. So this is, I previously ran this, um, I'll run it in a second and you can see it. Um, this is the, this is the definition of a pipeline as created in Alara and then installed in, in Kubeflow pipelines. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the execution of a pipeline comes here. Um, so you have many run, you can have many runs of the same pipeline. So if we look at this one, you'll see it ran successfully. Um, you can look at a step. Okay. Yeah. Um, time series step, and you can get a bunch of information about that. Logs. Oh, old. Okay. Maybe because it's old. Um, you can schedule them. Okay. So if you want to schedule a, a run to to run every week, or once a month or something, um, you can do that. Of course, you can also trigger them through the API on an yeah. event. For example, a GitHub action. Um, but yeah, you can you can run them one time to a schedule or, or a recurring schedule. Hmm. That's about it. Um, of course, you have volumes and tensor boards. Um, I'll show you them. But I'm going to show you a, a run. run okay, here. yep. Because um, that's fun. So if we just clone run here and start. So off it goes. 
it'll take a while to launch on my cluster. So my cluster is a little three node um, system under my desk. So <laughs> that's actually going to be a, a question. I, I mean, obviously the the best answer here is it depends because it depends a lot on the data. But you know, for a reasonably average workload. Um, I guess maybe the better the better question is kind of what's the overhead on on a on a machine that means could I do this on like a normal desktop machine if I just wanted to mess around with you can yeah you can some hundred thousand records or something or you can certainly run Kubeflow on a on a desktop I think on a laptop it can it can push it so you need about sixteen gigs of RAM to get off okay. the ground but it's better if you've got more um, so a desktop okay. workstation fine uh, a laptop might be stressed by it. Um, but yeah, so um, I was going to say that I thought you were going to say how long does it take for a for a typical workload to, wow. to run, which is how long it's string. Um, but um, I think compared to like doing all this kind of workload in a in a in a database or a data warehouse, it, it's pretty yeah. fast. You know, I mean, you're, you're offloading a lot of the kind of heavy heavy lifting and heavy uh, computation out of the data warehouse onto a kind of side system. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. For for this kind of report, it's it's very very efficient um, for for data, you know, building neural networks. Of course, you're not going to do Forgive that. Forgive my ignorance here. Um, it's probably more just my ignorance on kind of machine learning processes. But how how is the data getting in to, to um, this pipeline? So in this case, the data came. This is a demo pipeline, so the data came with the pipeline. Uh, so it's in okay. from Git. It's from GitHub. Okay. Um, cloned off of GitHub, and somebody uploaded it as a binary to GitHub. And it will reclone that every time. So you say I'm no, doing a recurring run, but if the data no, changes, no, so okay. that's, that's then stored in uh, a blob storage, which comes okay. as part of Chunky uh, Flow. Um, now, if you if you want to store data somewhere else, for example, in a S3 bucket or mm. a, uh, as your blob store, or oops, sorry, failed run here. Mm. Uh, not quite sure why that failed, but uh, <laughs> typical gods of live demos, right? Um, quickly moving on. Uh, so, um, no, if you want to store the data in a in a um, in an S3 uh, bucket or something like that, uh, that's perfectly possible. You would then connect mm. using whatever tools you like, Python or uh, you know the Botto three library or something else uh, to okay. that S3 bucket, pull in the data, um, and then process it in stages in in the workflow. Um, it also has support for Spark, so you can yeah, okay. use parallel distributed processing on that data as well. So if the data is in S3 or in HDFS or somewhere else, it can handle it. Um, we typically use Ceph um, when okay. we're installing this for customers. So Ceph is like, um, it has an S3 compatibility. Um, it also has the ability for persistent volume claims underneath, so for Kubernetes to get its its, its volumes from Ceph, um, and and you can even run VMs on top. You know, use mm -hmm. use it for the file systems of VMs. So it's it's um it's a powerful solution, um, and it supports like snapshot backups and all the usual stuff. Okay. So uh, so yes, so Ceph is our our kind of Swiss Army knife for this stuff. Um, within the Charmed Kubeflow solution, it's using um, oh that sounds right. It's using um, uh, Minio as a as a kind okay. of okay. Yep. Tool. Yep. Um, they have been on the show, and they keep oh, yeah. coming up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're everywhere. They're um, for now. Um, uh, the last thing, just to quickly note, yep. I don't have this set up to demo today, but I'll show it, show it 
um, is uh, so the solution has MLflow integrate integration support as well. So we offer MLflow um, within our Juju ecosystem. So you basically you, you at the command line you type Juju deploy MLflow, and off it okay. goes, and it pulls this down and installs it onto your cluster, um, and uh, it's then accessible for for you um, through a what's called a relation with um, with Kubeflow. So that then the the two environments are, are integrated. There's authentication in place, so that the, you know you can only access MLflow if you're an authenticated user, um, and so on. So it means that you can then work with it um, to yeah create experiments um, okay. to, to hold your models and to track uh, model data. Hmm. Um, um, Auto ML. Uh, so this is the the ability to 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 discover hyperparameters. Okay. Um, you know, the optimal configuration for your model. So here you see okay. very quickly, um, this is looking for um, the least possible loss on a model. Um, and you see that it finds it with this. I think this one is the most efficient configuration. So learning rate of about 0.04, momentum of 0.9 gets you, gets you there. So yeah, go for it. You, and have then the, and you have two different options there, I see. So you have well. a recommended one in highlight yellow. No, 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 there's uh, AutoML and KFP. Oh, so this is both something doing... else. Okay. So this is uh, Kubeflow, Kubeflow pipeline experiments. Okay. Um, so this is like, um, in order to build a pipeline, you have to associate it with, with an experiment. This is just a way of tracking those. First, I suppose the question is, just to clarify, what are you adding on top of Kubeflow to make charmed Kubeflow? How much yeah. of what we just looked at is, is, is your magic source? Um, so what we add is the, the deployment, the packaging, the automation around it, just making it incredibly easy to, to set up and run and get running with it. Plus, obviously, we're providing support on this. Um, if you're taking it from upstream, you're not getting any support um, apart from best effort from the community. So there's that. Um, uh, so we offer um, nice packaging that works really mm -hmm. nicely with additional integrations like MLflow, like Spark. Um, and then we, we provide, you know, proper support on it if, if the, if the user wants it. Okay. That's the value that we do. And say I'm excited and I want to go and experiment. I'm just having a look. Um, so I definitely assume there's Debian slash, uh, Ubuntu compatibility. Um, I can also see, uh, basically. In so, theory, anything that can run Kubernetes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. so if, if it's a, a version, if it's a distribution of Kubernetes that's working with yeah. the, with our, our software, then yeah, in principle, we can support you. Okay, I can actually see I am running macOS, and I can even see brew install Juju, which is confusing that I'm installing kind of a package manager with a package manager, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to see. Um, and with... Uh, uh, whatever you call it, I for keep forgetting the mini mini cates or whatever micro you call it, mini micro cates. I have tried that yeah. in the past as well, and that worked on on a Mac as well. So mm. I could also experiment on there if I wanted to. In principle, yeah, yeah. Windows. I don't know if, if I, I wanted to production. Um, no, no. Well, I'm not likely to. Anyway, I'm not likely to run a production case, thing. Microcates runs on, on on Windows, indeed. Okay. Yeah. So okay. in principle, you could. So, I mean, I think just for that initial experimentation. Yeah, if there's someone also WSL. Is... So oh, yes, of course, of course. Yep. Because you have full Ubuntu yep. experience under Windows. Yep. So. Okay. 
I think I, I kind of have some experiments I want to try at some point. Um, I don't have quite the time right now, but soon. <laughs> so, um, yeah, around some uh, some texts I want to build some models on. But I'll come later. Okay, so uh, one of my favorite last questions is, I think I saw you've just just released a particular version. So, so I goes, yeah. what's, what's new and what's next? Uh, well, what's new, um, I think 1.4 was more a kind of maintenance release from upstream. Mm -hmm. But for us, the additions was, well, the, the big feature was MLflow integration. Okay. Um, what's next? Um, so, well, 1.5 is coming. Uh, we also <laughs> have, you know, um, uh, a vision for expanding our ecosystem. I'm, I'm not going to give too many too many details away beyond that. Um, but so, we have MLflow. We have a vision for many more of these kind of integrations to come mm -hmm. um, because we see the you know the, the demand for them um, from our from our users and customers. So, yep, that's uh, that's going to be uh, one of the focus areas. Cool. All right, um, Rob. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's been really a pleasure to be on the call, and uh, yeah, have a great day.